another edition of Through the Smoke, a Miami Hurricanes football and recruiting podcast here on the 24-7 Sports Network. David Lake joined, as always, by Gabby Perutia. And Gabby, in this episode, we're going to discuss some of the newest official Miami Hurricanes that are enrolling this week. Uh, the remainder, I guess, of the 2022 class that is signed, uh, but not yet enrolled. Good chunk of that group already went through, is already enrolled and went through spring football. And we will circle back around and share kind of our, our early takeaways on that group as well. Um, but we want to touch on the next wave of guys coming in. Um, and then after the break, we're going to get into some recruiting talk with, you know, it, it appears maybe a little bit of clarity coming at quarterback. Um, and then we are going to have Gabby pencil in some more players to mo- to a mock recruiting class. There's about six months ago here until the early signing period in December. Um, and so I asked Gabby, I'm like, all right, give me eight guys outside of the five already committed. Give me eight that you feel like you would pencil into the class right now as things stand. Um, I said eight just because, you know, that 13 number to me is, you know, if let's say hypothetically Miami signs a 25 man class, not saying that's what's going to happen, but just hypothetically, that's 50% of the class about. So that's why I picked that. Just have Gabby highlight eight more guys, but we'll get to that later. Um, Gabby, Let's let's um, let's discuss these guys that are enrolling this week for the most part, right? Um, and I want to get your thoughts because you were around yesterday when they were arriving and moving in, getting set up, etc. I want to get your thoughts on seeing some of these guys up close and personal um, as they start their college careers. Any of them stand out to you in terms of looking the part? Yeah. I mean, just, I mean, in terms of just maybe just being like college ready or just kind of like coming in with the, like, you know, the frame, the look that you sort of want, I still kind of like Jaden Harris, man. I think he's probably one of the biggest sleepers in this class. Um, again, just in terms of like the cornerbacks, uh, I think Chris Graves probably has the highest ceiling. Uh, Kamari Rogers, obviously highly ranked for, you know, much of, of his recruitment, but Jaden Harris is one of these guys that flew under the radar out of Atlanta and man, uh, you know, I think he's probably the most physically ready, uh, to play college just because I think he's already built so well and, uh, you know, definitely has a thicker frame. You know, I think he's someone that can, that can definitely do a lot for Miami. So Jaden Harris is someone that I'm pretty encouraged by, um, in terms of just how they sort of look, you know, day one of their freshman year walking into Coral Gable. So, um, that's probably who I'd lean with as like, you know, probably passes the eye test best out of everyone else. His frame reminds me of, and this is a good thing in terms of frames. Uh, he's like maybe an inch shorter, but reminds me of DJ Ivy, just a strong, thick frame. Um, so we'll see if, and, and you know, DJ has been a solid college cornerback. So we'll see if uh, Jaden can be a little bit better than that even. Um, and yeah, he, he did have a very strong senior season. He's on a nice little trajectory as a late bloomer. One thing I liked about him too, was he was out there for a lot of spring football. Yeah, he was. So 
just that tells me he cares, right? He's going to work right. at it, et cetera, et cetera. Anyone else stand out to you that walked walked in? Yeah, I, I mean, I think Chris, I mean, just kind of, uh, there was only, I guess, four guys. Yeah, four guys that I got to Who see. Who were they? So I got to, I got to see um, Chris Graves, Markeith Williams, um, Jaden Harris, and Inez Cooper were the four that Nez like. Look? Inez looked, he didn't weigh as much as I thought he would, as I thought he did. I thought he was like a much bigger guy, but he's not like, I mean, he's, he's, he's not, lost he's lost weight. I would think so. Again, I never really saw him in person before. Right. So, I mean, I don't really have much to compare it to in terms, I mean, just like in photos and stuff. And I guess we don't even really have a lot of like really good photos of him, you know, coming out of a, you know, on, on his two, four, seven profile or anything like that. But I, I mean, to me, he looked a lot. Uh, I mean, he was definitely leaner than, than I thought he would have been. I thought he was going to be a much thicker guy, just bigger guy. And, uh, and he wasn't, which might be an okay thing. You know, I think he's someone that they could still probably like, you know, do some stuff around and maybe, I mean, I don't what know. What would you say his height weight is just guessing? I mean, I would probably say six, four, maybe pushing six, five, um, maybe 290, 300 pounds. Okay. Maybe. Yeah. I, I don't think, I don't think he's like, he's like massive, massive okay. like that. I don't know. Yeah. That is, I, th- I thought he was going to be, I thought it was going to be like th- like a three twenty type three thirty right. around there. I don't think he's that big. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm a little off, you know, maybe 10 pounds or so, but I mean, he was, I thought he was going to be like a monstrous person and he wasn't. So those four in, and, and other guys are trickling in, correct? Right. Or is Isaiah Horton, is he already in too? You just didn't see yeah. him? Yeah, Isaiah Horton got in a little bit later. I think uh, he graduated or something the night before. So I think he just got, he just ended up getting in a little bit later. Um, so yeah, I mean, he was there. Ahmad Moten, uh, he, they had like a, a little meeting at, at two o'clock with some of like the newcomers. Uh, so I know Ahmad Moten made it down for that. But uh, again, he, he didn't move into the dorms and stuff where I was hanging out. Um, so he's probably going to do that. I think this coming week or the next week. So I didn't get to see him, but, uh, you know, a lot of these newcomers should just continue to trickle in over the course of the week and maybe even into next week where I think they yeah. expect the whole team to be, to be back and all together for the first time. So that'd be, so the headliner still remaining is Trevante citizen, the running back four-star running back out of Louisiana. Um, and Matthew McCoy would be another one, the offensive tackle out of St. Augustine, Florida. Um, Anyone, you know, outside of Jaden Harris, anyone intrigue you most of these guys? Because I'll say, you know, you pointed them out. I had never really seen them in person, but at the spring game, you pointed at you. He was kind of at a distance, but you were like, I think that's Matthew McCoy. Yeah. And uh, he was he was kind of impressive looking physically in terms of length um, and athletic looking tackle. I went back and watched this high school highlight. There is a lot of athleticism there. He still needs a lot of coaching up and developing as most high school offensive linemen do. Um, but I could, I, I am excited about his development. I think right. in three, like in three years, I mean, we'll see, you know, who, who they recruit. Cause there's a lot more recruiting to do over the next two or three cycles, but I wouldn't be surprised if Matthew McCoy is a starting right or left tackle. I'm, I'm kind of intrigued by him in terms of like one of the lower level guys. Yeah. I mean, I think Matthew McCoy is, I think he's someone that even just like other college coaches were, are pretty intrigued by as well. Just, and you know, he has like a, a I think he got, I think he cleaned up something in his shoulder. So I'm not sure he's going to be ready, you know, 
right. this no, summer. I'm not a, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So he's I mean, he's gonna, yeah, he, he is. He's a guy that, you know, it's def, you're definitely looking to the future with him. But, you know, I could see him compete. I know you wrote something on the website today, David. Like, I, I mean, I could agree with that, you know, like as, as a guy that could potentially be, you know, competing for a starting tackle spot in a few seasons. You know, I think he's that type of guy that you get him into the program and you continue to work. My, I mean, he's a former tight end. Uh, kicked inside as a senior and that's when he started to kind of blow up and you know that's a again that's a recipe that's sort of transitioned well in terms of when you're looking at some of these you know guys that are getting drafted and all that stuff a lot of these offensive right. tackles are guys that you know maybe were pass catchers at one point that maybe just grew or just kind of accepted the fact that maybe they'd be better served as as tackles and you know those types of things so he has the athleticism yet he's a guy that was catching passes and running around for uh, for Creekside at one point. So, um, you know, definitely someone to be excited about that I think is just really scratching the surface of what it even means to be an offensive lineman. Is there a guy that you get a sense of from Miami that they're excited about in particular of this wave coming in? Would it be Trevante Citizen? Would it be I, someone else? I, I think it would probably be Trevante Citizen. I mean, I think that's someone that, you know, they're really pu- sort of pumped to get in and you know, again, just kind of how they got him and, uh, you know, the people they got him over, you know, in terms of LSU, Auburn, Florida, um, you know, I think that those are the types of backs that they want to continue to stack. And uh, just because those are the types of dudes that, you know, really elevate the running game. And those are the types 20 of carries. dudes. That, yeah. I mean, he's just one of those types of guys. I think he's a potential feature back, uh, you know, at, at, at some point, uh, you know, over the course of his Miami career. So yeah, I think Trevante citizen is probably the guy there. I think Chris Graves, um, yeah. is someone else I'm too, excited but about I, him. yeah, I think he's young. Uh, I think, yeah. I think that's something we talked about a lot, you know, over the course of his recruitment, he could probably be a 2023 recruit. He's a ways away. I, yeah. Him and Nigel e. Kelly, probably two of the younger ones in this class. I think Nigel e. Kelly's probably the youngest, which is wild. Um, but you know, I think Graves is someone that I think they still want him to just continue to mature. Uh, and I think once he sort of gets there, I think that they're going to be, you know, really stoked about him. Cause I know his skill set alone, they're super excited about, but I think yeah. they just want him to continue to, again, he's a young kid. They want him to just continue to grow, you know, upstairs and, uh, you know, just continue to learn and just kind of buy in fully to everything. So I think once he does that, I think Chris Graves is one of those dudes that has just a crazy high ceiling. Yeah, I think he can be an NFL draft pick at corner if, yeah. you know, everything uh, continues on the right trajectory. Um, anything else to touch on with this next wave? I mean, it's only really just looking back, right? I think it was, what, only 14 signees at the yeah. high school level in this class. Um, how many of them? Six already came in early, I think. Right. So there wasn't that many left, but it, it does look like you said this earlier, but it looks like they're going to, they're expecting to get them all in this, this first summer session. Correct. Right. Yeah. Which I think, I think, oh, yeah, it is. It is. And uh, I think this first summer session and yeah, I think there's another one in like mid to late June, but I think they're yes. hoping everyone makes it in now. So um, that that's, that's the plan right now. I think hopefully it all, it all stays that way. Let's circle back around and highlight those guys that were, participating in spring ball, right? So they enrolled early. It was kind of, you know, outside of Trevante Citizen and Chris Graves, it was really the headliners of Miami's small class, right? So it was all four-star guys. It was all guys that ranked inside the top 300 of the composite. So just a, just a reminder, right? It was, it was Jaleel Skinner, Wesley Besaint, uh, Jakari Brown, Cyrus Moss, Nigel E. Kelly, Kamari Rogers. So all 
pretty big time recruits made it in early, which is a huge deal. Um, but the conversation I want to have Gabby is, you know, after the spring, cause you know, we, we go into these players careers thinking a certain type of way about them from what we know about them at the high school level. Right. But really that all means nothing. Um, once they start their college careers. And for those guys, it started in spring football. And so I just want to have a conversation like, you know, what do we think about this group now after it? And again, it's only one semester of college ball. Um, But still, we learned a lot about these guys. Um, Just what do we feel about this group? Because I feel I feel like this core group, I mean, it's a small class and this is the core group, I would say this early enrollee group, but I feel like Miami hit on, I mean, Nigelique and Kamari were hurt, right. but the other four guys, I think they're going to be down the road. They're going to be big time players for Miami. And I like their mentalities. What did you think about what they showed in the spring? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, I think the positive coming in for, I mean, just for all these guys is that they all came in and competed, you know, the ones that were actually able to participate in spring practice. Like, I mean, I feel like we kind of walked into spring feeling like, even like, I'm just going to use Jaleel Skinner as an example. Cause I think he's someone that maybe, maybe like, I don't, I don't know, exceeded expectations that we had coming in. Like we were like, all right, you know, maybe he needs to put on a few pounds, um, could potentially be a guy that they stash and maybe he'll be ready for 2023. But I mean, um, he walked in here, put on like you know, 15, 20 pounds and, you know, is kind of, kind of looking really good, you know? So, you know, I think yeah. that this is, I think that this core of, especially a lot of these early enrollees, again, you consider Cyrus Moss and Wesley Besaint. I mean, I think these are all contributors at one point or another throughout the course of their college career. Like I think Jakari Brown could potentially be a guy that leads Miami one day, you know, Wesley Besaint, I could see him starting at linebacker Jalil Skinner. I mean, I feel really good about the future of the tight end position because Jalil Skinner, I think is better than maybe even we thought coming in, despite the fact that he's, you know, essentially a top hundred recruit, right. Um, you know, Cyrus Moss, man. I mean, he, I think in the spring game, in those opportunities he got, he showed that you know, he has that natural ability to get to the quarterback. And look, I mean, Nigel Kelly, I mean, we just talked about it. He's 17 years old. He won't be eight. He won't turn he's a freak. until like, yeah, until like halfway through Miami's season next year. So he's young. He's a pup. And he's again, yeah, a freak. I mean, just watching him get after the quarterback. I mean, he's an absolute dude. So I think you have to be encouraged by him, even though he didn't play spring Kamari Rogers. I mean, he's really, really thin, I think under 150 pounds. Um, but you know, he has, one of, he's a really natural cover guy. And I think if he puts on the appropriate weight and rehabs that knee, you know, I think he's someone that, you know, over the course of his yeah, college career could end play. up being a guy as well. So, you know, I, I feel really good about this core. I think these are all guys that we could see making plays for Miami, you know, but by the time that their, that their time here is, is done. So, you know, I'm, I like it. I think that they did a really good job with, with these six guys and, um, you know, the, this next wave, I think there's, I think there's plenty to be excited about with those guys as well. If we were going to re-rank this early enrollee group, who would you rank number one? I think we're going to be on the same page here. Yeah. I mean, I don't know. I, I, maybe we will be, um, I mean, I might go Jaleel, man. I, yeah. I just, I, I really like, I really like Jaleel. I agree. And to me, because- he's like, he's looked like a five-star tight end. Right. He looked like a guy where you know, when it's time to, for his, whenever his NFL draft time comes around, he should be a first round pick at tight end. If he continues to work at it and, and, you know, put the time in all that stuff, he has all the tools to be an absolute freak for Miami. Um, I came in 
to spring my my you know everything i heard about him was right like very talented but he's gonna be thin and Mm -hmm. the mentality might need work i don't know if that's neither of those things to me turned out to be true um He got big enough, like he can play this season if he needs to. I don't know how much he will, uh, but he can. And I think his mentality was good, man. Like everything he did at practice to me showed me he can handle playing college football um, from a mental standpoint. So, yeah, to me, he's he was the gem of this class during spring football. Yeah, I think he was way more of a natural athlete than I thought he was going to yes. be. I thought he was a little awkward when I watched him at IMG against heritage. And I kind of came away, I came away from that feeling like, you know, maybe he's just needs to become more athletic and maybe he's just a little bit stiff, but I mean, I feel like that kind of changed quickly over like just watching him move around in the spring. He's a big time tight end. Um, I don't know how much we're going to see of him this year because they are deep at tight end, but I do think we'll see a little bit of him, and uh, you know, he'll make some plays. Who would you put number two? I would probably go Cyrus Moss. Okay. Yeah, he showed out in the spring game. Yeah, and just because, again, I think you kind of got just like, again, positional value and all that stuff, just kind of being an edge rusher type of guy. Um, you know, I just think he's someone that, I mean, if I'm projecting even just like long, I guess we're just looking at the spring right now. But, I mean, Cyrus is just one of those dudes that if he puts it all together, I mean, I think he's going to be kind of freaky. Who do you got so, at number two? So Cyrus was number one, right, according to the recruiting rankings. Right. So they weren't that far off. I, I would go Wesley Bissane. Yeah, he, I was going to go with him. I three. think he's an alpha. I just love his mentality. Right. He's like what they've been missing at linebackers since Shaq Quarterman. Um, so, yeah, I would go him number two. I mean, these next, they're all very close. These next guys, right. like I, you could group them all together. Uh, but the, the recruiting ranking industry, so the recruiting industry had Jaleel Skinner as Miami's third best early enrollee freshman. Uh, Wesley Besaint, the fifth best. So number three, I would go Jakari. I just yeah. think, I mean, he's got a ways to go, and this is right. projecting, but I'm betting on him because I think yeah. the guy's a stud, just human, and he's going to work at it. And I think he's got the tools. He's just got to, he needs the time to put it all together. Uh, and, you know, in the spring game, we didn't see his, see him at his best. Uh, he he kind of, you know, he showed that he's got to uh, adjust to the speed of the game at the college level. But uh, I do know, like, during the course of the spring, he really, really impressed the UM coaching staff with, with how he handled his first uh, semester of college football. Yeah, I mean, and just watching him kind of just tuck the ball and run and you kind of see that natural ability yeah. to just move and even just make people miss. Like, I think they called him down on one of those plays uh, in that spring game that I would have liked to just see in real time. And just like, right. I want to see where Jakari would have taken that thing because I think he would have made a huge play right there. So, yeah, I mean, Jakari is someone I'm definitely excited about. I got Wes- I probably got Wesley at three. But, uh, yeah, there's definitely an argument there to be made for, for Jakari. So Jakari was sixth, according to the recruiting industry. Um, I went Cyrus Moss fourth, mainly just because, you know, I think he needs time in right. terms of building up his body. He's going to be a stud when he gets to that point. Um, but that's why I went fourth with him. So your fourth would be Jakari, correct? Yeah, my fourth would be Jakari. And then Nigelik and Kamari, we didn't see them, right? Because they yeah, always exactly. be injured guys. But, you know, 
Nigel League looks the part. Like right. you could make the argument he was the prettiest looking defensive end yeah. already uh, this spring, just, you know, standing there. So um, he's going to be a stud when, once he puts it all together and Kamari, like you mentioned, you know, just gotta, gotta get that body college ready, uh, which, which he'll, he'll have in time. So um, overall, man, to me, that's a good core. You throw uh, Trevante citizen on top of that group, you yeah. throw uh, Chris Graves, in that mix. And then, you know, like you, like we were mentioning earlier, if they hit on some of these guys, like a Jaden Harris, like a Matthew McCoy, that's a pretty strong transition class. Like if you look at transition classes, they're very miss for most programs around the country. Like whenever you have hindsight and you look back at a transition class, it's typically not very good for most schools. I feel like this could actually end up being a strong transition class, which says something too, because it's so small. So it's, it's small, which I think is good nowadays. Cause then you can load up on more transfers. And I think there is some high quality players in there that will end up being, you know, somewhere first, second, third, all ACC type type players um, by the time their college careers end. Yeah. And I think one guy, I just, I, I think I just want to mention him just because yeah. I mean, like, let's say like Markeith Williams and yeah, I mean, just yeah, watching him good. yesterday, he's like real thin, you know, he's definitely yeah. someone that you lock into, you lock in the weight room. Uh, you make sure you get him on that meal plan, but you know, he's, he's long, man. He's over six feet. Um, you he's know, definitely show he, and exactly. I mean, you, we talk about alpha. I think he's one of those guys that has that sort of, you know, that yeah. kill mentality where he's just going to go get after guys. And even though he doesn't have the biggest frame, I think he plays, he I think he tackle. plays a little bit more big. I think, yeah, he yeah. plays bigger than he is. So when he starts putting mass on him and, you know, he has the range to, you know, pick off passes. And I think he has, he's already shown that willingness, uh, to, you know, go downhill and, and, and hit someone. I think he's someone that, you know, you project, uh, down the line a little bit. Yeah. And I think he's someone you have to feel pretty good about also in that safety room. So it's a good starting point, I think, for the Mario Cristobal era, right? This class, it's small, but there is quality there and there's building blocks there, I think. Um, so stacking talents to name the game and now it's up to Mario to do it again in a bigger quantity uh, in this first full cycle he gets to recruit. So uh, let's take a break there. And on the other side, we will get into some quarterback recruiting talk. And Gabby's going to break out his pencil for his mock recruiting class. All right, we are back. Gabby, we had a big, you know, quarterback target visiting situation over the weekend. Um, Three-star quarterback Emery Williams out of Milton High School, which is in the panhandle. Uh, visited Miami over the weekend. He's a guy that's listed at six foot four, 190 pounds. Um, let's start there. How did he look in person when you, when you were face to face with him? Yeah. Um, definitely. I mean, I, I think the six foot four is, is pretty legit. 190 pounds. Um, yeah, maybe just cause I guess he's long lanky. He's like, yeah, definitely a lanky kid. Um, yeah, you know, it seems like, uh, you know, I guess physically, uh, probably not like the strong. I don't know if he has like, the, I don't know if he looks like the strongest. I don't know if he's super cut up. 
Um, doesn't seem like he's really spent a ton of time in like the weight room or anything like that, which could be kind of encouraging too, because it seems like, yeah. you know, he's, he's, an, he's shown that he's an okay athlete and that he has okay, you know, pocket mobility and he can move around a little bit as well. So, um, you know, I think if you kind of add some of that stuff to him, I think he could be, you know, someone that, you know, maybe moves around better in his future than maybe he does right now. So yeah, you know, uh, getting eyes on him was good. Uh, I feel like not many have gotten eyes on him just because he's like basically in Louisiana and the panhandle somewhere. So yeah, it was definitely good to see him in person. So you've been gathering information on this situation over the weekend, right? From a Miami side of things. And then also, of course, you talked with Emery. So what's, what's the vibe? What, what do we need to know? with this dance going on between Emory and Miami right now? Yeah. You know, um, I, I think Miami's already, has already gone up there twice to see him. Uh, you get two spring evaluations. Like, you know, you can go see a, a player twice. The second time that they went over there, Frank Ponce, Josh Gaddis went to go see him throw. There was weather conditions that sort of canceled practice. So, you know, it seems like Miami's kind of applying for a waiver so that they can go up there and see him again. Uh, because they did already burn that second sort of trip up okay. there. I think they expect that to get approved and so that they can kind of watch um, Emery Williams throw again, again, when they can actually see it. I think that's, a, that, I think that's the next big step of the right. Emery Williams. Um, that's not, I mean, not saga, but of just this whole like evaluation, evaluation. Yeah. because I mean, a commitment's coming next weekend, basically. I mean, he essentially told that me that definitely happening. I, I mean, it sounds, I, I asked him like, Hey, are you still on track to make that commitment after your spring practice? He's like, yeah, it's not, you know, next weekend when I'm done with spring ball, I'm going to be announcing a, a, a commitment and he, you know, maybe, maybe things change again. If, and let's say Miami's not able to get back up there uh, for whatever reason it is, or, you know, things get denied. And if Miami's where he wants to be, maybe they want to see him throw in the summer, uh, you know, right. in June when that opens up and they can, you know, camp and have guys, you know, work out for them privately and all that type of stuff. So maybe there's another monkey wrench in this thing that, you know, we just can't really forecast right now. But I think um, in Emory Williams' mind, he's he's set on making a commitment, uh, you know, this coming weekend. So, uh, yeah, I think, again, Miami want, would really like to watch him throw uh, before that happens. So um, I don't think anything's set in stone yet. And, uh, you know, I think there's other schools here that are still in the mix. He went to go see Pittsburgh. He went to go see Indiana as well. So, you know, there is options, it seems like. And, uh, you know, so, but I, I, I like where Miami stands right now. If, uh, you know, things go according to plan and, you know, Josh Gaddis, Frank Ponce are able to watch him and, you know, things sort of match up. Let's say Miami isn't, let's just say, here's a hypothetical, right? Miami goes up and watches him in the, in a spring game or spring practice. Um, and they tell him we liked what we saw, but we want to see you throw at a summer camp. Um, and, and let's say Emery decides, well, I'm still going to go forward with my commitment. Do you have a read a vibe on what school it would be between Pittsburgh and Indiana? I, I don't, um, I'm not really sure which way he'd lean there. I probably should have asked him more about the others in the mix, but, um, I think that's kind of a testament to where Miami sort of stands there as well. Sure. Um, but I mean, in, in that situation, again, if Miami's really where he wanted to play and, uh, you know, that's sort of, again, if, if this is a, if this is the place he wants to be and they said, Hey, we would really like to see you throw again. And he wants to move forward. Um, you know, I could see it potentially being either one of those two. Uh, I don't really know which way I'd lean there. 
Um, but I also think he would probably camp at Miami. I think even if he were right. to, if he, if he was to move forward and pick one of those two schools and Miami was like, Hey, please come throw for us. I think he would, which is, a, I think is a good sign. And this is just me speaking, but I feel like if I'm Miami, that's the move. I want to make him throw in person for me as much as possible. Um, because, and we'll, we'll talk about him as a player now. Right. Um, so he's, he's a guy that's like, you know, kind of little known, not a major recruit. Um, he threw for 2,100 yards, 16 touchdowns, three interceptions. So good numbers, not, you know, doesn't blow you away numbers, but they're good. His team went five and five, um, last year they went Oh, and four in their own district. So to me, that's a little concerning, just being honest. Right. He does he does play with a big time receiver too, right? Georgia commit Raymond Cottrell. Is that correct? Yeah. He does. So he has that in his favor. Um and so this is why I feel like you go watch him in person in the spring game if you get that waiver, and you tell him, Hey, come down to um what is Paradise Camp called nowadays? Le- the, the Legends Camp come down to legends camp and you try and push it. You put them in a pressure cooker type of environment, right? So there's going to be ballers all over the place Mm -hmm. at that camp. And how does he respond in that situation? I I think back to Tyler Van Dyke. Were you at that paradise camp? I wasn't, I wasn't. So Tyler Van Dyke, when he was, you know, I think he was committed, but still it was a situation where, and Tyler, quite frankly, was a higher rated recruit. He was well, more well-known than Emory. Um, but Tyler was, it's still a, it was still a situation where it was like, okay, let's see how he actually goes out and performs in this type of environment. And he went out and balled out at paradise camp. He was very impressive. He owned the camp, um, through some beautiful balls. I remember to Darnell Washington, who's like the six foot eight, 270 pound tight end at Georgia now. He connected well with Xavier Restrepo that day. He was really, really impressive at that paradise camp. And it just, it validated like, okay, yeah, Tyler can definitely be a good starter at Miami. And he's gone on to be much better than that, right? So um, I, I do think those type of camp settings can be telling for quarterbacks because there's been plenty of quarterbacks where you go watch them. There's nothing like watching film definitely matters but for that quarterback position man you got to watch him in person it's weird right. i don't know how to explain it but you got to watch him in person how they respond to different situations etc how they um you know how how they impact the other players around them are they drawn into to the quarterback or is he kind of like a weird guy um so to me i hope that's what miami does but I understand if, if Emory wants to make a commitment this weekend, it's, it's going to be a tough situation, right? Yeah. I mean, it could be again, if, if uh, that's, if they don't see him throw or if something just again, maybe, I mean, I don't think it's a guarantee either that, you know, Miami goes over there and it's just like, yeah, all right, let's do this. I mean, I think that's why they're going over there. I think they're going over there to see like, 
has everything, everything that we see on tape, everything that we saw from him, you know, Frank Ponce went to go watch him alone, uh, you know, the first time, like earlier in the spring. And that's when he was authored. And then now they both got to go back together, you know, Frank Ponce and Josh Gaddis. And, you know, again, it has to check out. And if it doesn't, I think that Miami could just, you know, decide to go in a different direction. I think that that's still potentially on the table. I think that that's probably the, uh, the less likely scenario right now. Right. Um, There is ability there. Like, I think he does, he can throw the ball. It's just, you know, more times than not, these lower level guys don't, you know, especially modern times, right? Right. Like the recruiting rankings are usually pretty good. Um, You know, more times than not, it's not like, oh, wow, they hit on this complete stud of a quarterback. Um, But he does have some ability. Like you go watch his tape, he can make all the throws. It's just, there are some things that, make me want to like press the pause button and hope they can extend the evaluation time further down the road. If that makes sense. No, it does. And I think the level of competition plus the record and all that stuff is like, why aren't you winning these types of games? And I don't know what the the defense looks like. Maybe it's one of those things, but I think there's a lot of things that go into that, but I feel like if you're a big time quarterback, you know, at the high school level, you can typically feed your team you know, so the record, the Correct. 500 record and at least you to know, your district, like right. not be zero and four in your district. Yeah. The that's not, handle, that's know? not a, that's not encouraging. Um, but they are, they're, they're looking at other quarterbacks, right? So you, right. you reported on the website over the weekend, um, four star Avery Johnson, who is out of Mays, Kansas, six foot two, 175, 180 pound type guy threw for 2,500 yards, 20 touchdowns, six interceptions ran for a thousand yards with 22 touchdowns. Um, tell us about that situation. Cause it's kind of a new situation in terms of Miami showing him attention. Correct. Yeah, no, it is. And again, I, I think these guys are continuing to evaluate arms and I think that they're just going to continue to look again they're not hundred percent fully sold on Emory Williams quite yet. And honestly, even if they are, I mean, who's to say that they don't, you know, potentially right. go out and try to get a couple guys like, or go out and get two arms. And um, you know, so I think Avery Johnson is probably is definitely the new name. I know Miami's going to go try to see him at some point. Um, they said that they're planning on seeing him uh, could be soon, especially with a lot of programs already starting to sort of wrap up spring practice this week. So I could, I would imagine that they would probably go see him at some point this week, but, uh, you know, definitely a big time athlete, David. I mean, you talked about the passing yard numbers. I mean, added almost 1100 yards on the ground with 22 more touchdowns had, um, had 10 touchdowns on the ground as a, as a sophomore as well, um, led his basketball team to a 23 and two record and then led and they won a state title. He led the team in scoring is apparently a pretty good baseball player. Uh, as well. So, uh, and then also an elite 11 finalist after performing well at that, right. at that national invited, regional. Right. Yeah. So he's a, uh, yeah. So he's going to be a part of that, you know, top quarterback, um, you know, camp that they do. Uh, and so, you know, again, this is a, a top two, four, seven guy, a top 12 quarterback in the country, uh, you know, per the, you know, 24, seven sports rankings, the composite rankings, this is a consensus, you know, basically top 200 players. So, um, I think is an interesting, I think is an interesting type of guy. I know Andrew Ivins put in the, in the comment section of that report that he's, uh, someone that's going to be on, on his freaks list, which he does for the, for the senior class, uh, you know, before, you know, I guess their okay. senior year starts. So, you know, definitely a big time athlete. 
athlete who, uh, you know, again, we're talking about winning at a high level. Um, I think Avery Johnson definitely checks those boxes. His skill set um, kind of reminds me of Jakari in terms of like, and he's not as big as Jakari, but um, he's a guy that's a dual threat. He's a guy that's a winner. And he's a guy that has a passing game that is improving, if that makes sense. So yeah. I kind of view Avery in that mold. And then, you know, Emery, I, I'd say is like the pocket passer, like, a, you know, like a Tyler or a Jake type of quarterback. Right. So um, I don't know. Which one do you prefer? Do you have a preference if you're just picking between those two? Yeah. I mean, I think Avery Johnson's just pretty, I think it's pretty intriguing, you know, and uh, again, you kind of see just even the other schools involved, like, you know, Oregon's going to get an official visit Kansas state. I mean, I, I think they've done right. a, a pretty in good state. job with quarterbacks over, you know, all these, you know, over the years, you know, Colin Klein was, was a, was a favorite of mine when he was, Yuck. you know, torch, torching when he was torching Miami back in, in, in my high school days. Um, you know, went to go see Arkansas before, you know, they took Malachi Singleton and, you know, obviously pressing for Jaden Rashada. Um, so, you know, I think there's a, a few interesting programs there that are that are in the mix for, for Avery Johnson. And, um, you know, I would probably lean that way. I think he's a little bit more established. I like the, I, I like the athletic profile a lot better. And um, yeah, I mean, that's probably or I'd lean out of the. Team. I would agree, too. I will say, though, I do think like as a passer at this stage. I do think Emory might be better, um, just slightly, but yeah, I, in terms of like the upside and just what I trust more, I think I would ride with Avery Johnson, but it sounds like Miami still would have, they have a lot of ground to make up there. Right. Yeah. It's, it's not like it's, I mean, this is a just beginning recruitment kind of right. Right. I Miami hasn't even offered, you know, Miami hasn't offered Avery Johnson. Um, again, I, I think, it could be dependent on what happens with Emory Williams. And if, if they do decide to, if they do go watch Emory Johnson this week and they do extend an offer, I think Miami could make up some ground pretty quickly. Again, I mean, you got Kansas state in there. Who's an in-state program. You can't really rule out a couple of the other programs listed as warm on his profile profile are Virginia and Washington. So I think Miami could probably climb up in there, um, you know, with Oregon who offered recently uh, has an official visit set up. I think if Miami really wanted to press, I think that they could make things pretty interesting there. All right. Anything else on quarterbacks? No, I think that's, I think that's pretty much it. So let's go to, you know, adding a mock. So adding to a mock class, uh, getting to that 50% mark. Um, Since we are basically 50% through the cycle, in terms of the early signing period in December. So just as a reminder, right, Miami already has five guys committed in Robbie Washington, wide receiver, wide receiver Lamar Seymour out of Miami Central, Robbie Washington out of Killian, offensive lineman Antonio Tripp, who is from the Maryland area, offensive lineman Frankie Tinelau, who is Australian, but will be playing at LaSalle locally. Um, And then Robbie's twin, Bobby, out of Miami Killian, is a linebacker that's committed. So you got five guys in the boat now. Um, So I told Gabby, give me eight more. And I feel like um, there's five guys that we've kind of, uh, you know, kind of pounded the table that it's, it's looking really good with these five. So I think those five are pretty clear. And then there's three more where, 
you know, maybe my, we feel good, but not as strongly as these first five. So let's start with these first five. Um, first one, wide receiver Jalen Brown out of Gulliver Prep. Still feel good about that. Yeah, um, you know, I think people are maybe, I think others may be hitting the panic button there on Jalen Brown just because he did set up that official visit to LSU and, um, you know, definitely going to take a couple other official visits. I think that's been in the works the whole time. You know, I think that's all that has always really been a part of the plan. Um, you know, I think Miami fans, you know, thought he could have, you know, or hoping he maybe jumped on board sooner. Um, I think they're going to go through this process. But again, nothing uh, that I've heard on the Jalen Brown front. Um, you know, it, it has been shocking to me and I still think that, you know, Miami's in a really good spot, you know, just kind of talking to people close to him, you know, even just talking to dad, uh, it sounds like, you know, Miami has sort of done what they've needed to do here. They're going to go do their due diligence at other places. And not to say that that can't change, but, you know, I still think Miami is probably in the driver's seat with, um, you know, I think LSU definitely, and there are a few others, uh, that will probably get visits, but, um, you know, I, I would, I still like Miami. I don't have a crystal ball in or anything like that, but, um, you know, it's still Miami for me for Jalen Brown. So I think that, uh, I think that they're in a pretty good spot there. Who else would you highlight? Yeah. Um, I had my list here. I think, I mean, let's go with Ruben Bain again. Another right. guy that we've talked to, we've talked about a ton on here. Again, I mean, I just think ultimately, you know, these connections are just too hard to ignore uh, between his brother, Reggie, uh, who's an offensive line graduate assistant, his former head coach, uh, Roland Smith in the recruiting department, uh, Wesley Besaint uh, picking Miami over, you know, other, you know, prominent programs, uh, after, you know, through his recruiting process. And, um, you know, I think I, I just think Ruben Bain's a. Uh, I wouldn't put him at, I would, again, not a lock, but he's someone I'm definitely penciling into my mock class, uh, you know, here in mid-May. Then you like a running back. Yeah. I mean, Cedric Baxter, again, I mean, this is a, I, I think Kevin Smith is, you know, one of the best at recruiting uh, the position and, uh, you know, Cedric Baxter seems to be like the guy that they've zeroed, zeroed in on uh, Mario Cristobal, obviously extremely involved there as well. Cedric Baxter, the number two running back in the country. Uh, they just landed Trevante citizen who we talked about plenty on this episode already. Um, so I think pairing those two together, I think puts Miami in a, in a, in a, in a really, really big time spot in terms of just r that running back position, you know, just sort of being set for, for at least a couple of years. So, uh, you know, Cedric Baxter is a, a guy I think they need to have uh, Texas, Texas A&M, Florida, Arkansas um, are a few other schools that are, that are in there. Um, but I, I, I think Miami's probably in, you know, I wouldn't say the leader, uh, but I like where Miami sits right now. They're going to go see him on Friday. Uh, when he, when they take on Osceola in their spring game up in Orlando and I'll be there too. So, um, Ooh, nice. looking forward to that for sure. And then you've, you've kind of pounded the table about this guy since the spring game. Um, he's visited twice in this 2022 calendar year, but defensive lineman, um, Jackson Howard out of Minneapolis, Minnesota. Yeah. I mean, just great relationships. I mean, I think every time, he, I mean, he talks about Miami, I think it's, it's always been overwhelmingly positive. Again, uh, Joe Salavea and his dad have a really great relationship. It seems like, you know, the, the type of attention he gets from the coaching staff, whether it be Stephen Fields, who at one point was recruiting him to play tight end, and is still really recruiting him because, you know, they just really want him to be a part of the program and uh, over the rest of the Miami staff. I think uh, Miami's put themselves in a really good spot here. I think they'll probably have to overcome LSU and uh, Minnesota and potentially some others. But right now, I'm I'm really liking where Miami stands. Uh, that's That was the vibe I got after the spring game. And, you know, since then, it feels like, uh, you know, Miami's just continued to do the right things. And again, 
SEC, LSU is gonna gonna make things interesting. But I think Miami's done a lot uh, to help themselves here since uh, you know this new staff came on board. Then the final of these five guys, we feel like we've kind of set the table for Miami. Feels pretty good right now. Nathaniel uh, Joseph, Ray Ray, currently committed to Clemson, but Miami's done a good job behind the scenes. Right. Yeah. I mean, this has been a, this is a behind the scenes type of recruitment. Um, there's been, you know, I, I mean, Miami has been pushing here basically since this new staff got here. Um, I, I, you know, again, I think just a the feeling there was just even before uh, I think even people in Corgables right now would say that Miami probably would have had a really good shot if the previous staff would have made a strong push when they had their opportunity to, um, you know, he could have potentially been on the board sooner and maybe they wouldn't be having to try to flip him from Clemson, but that was not the case. So, uh, you know, I think Miami's doing a lot to try to make up ground. And I think they're doing it pretty quickly. A few weeks ago, when I went to go watch him at one of his spring practices, he essentially said, look, it's Miami and Clemson right now. I think that that's how it'll be pretty, uh, you know, for the duration of this. And I think if anyone's going to be able to flip him from Clemson, Clemson, it'll be Miami. So they're definitely chipping away. They're definitely doing a lot, working the family. And of course, uh, Joseph himself, they went to go see him at a practice earlier this spring. They watched him at that spring jamboree up in Palm Beach Gardens, which I wrote about over the weekend as well. So, um, you know, Miami definitely doing their part. The Tigers fighting to hold on. And, uh, you know, we already saw one guy uh, decommit from Clemson this cycle. And I think Miami would like to make that too. Yeah. So that's five guys we feel pretty good about right yeah. we, i don't know if we put it in pen right, right. but very dark pencil yeah. um and, and two gabby like those that's five quality guys right. that's all five of those guys are ranked inside the top 150 in the composite right so those are that's five big time guys we feel pretty good about right now with miami um so there's three more so i'll let you take it where you want to take it who do you want to highlight first yeah. Uh, I mean, I probably, I mean, let's go, we already touched on him some, so let's go with Emery Williams. And again, I think this is all just contingent on the fact that I don't think there has been a, a final decision as to whether they want to officially move forward with that. So um, I think, you know, that could easily change. I mean, of the rest of these remaining three, this might be the guy I feel best about um, Emery Williams, the quarterback. And uh, you know, so again, I don't want to harp too much on it because we just talked about him, but he's one of the guys that I would put in that group as well. If we're reading the tea leaves, it seems like he's going to be the quarterback in this class. There's yeah. some things that can change with that, but it does seem like he's going to be the quarterback in this class. Um, who next? Um, let's go with Damari Brown. And, um, you know, I know Andrew Ivins uh, wrote a, an article today, you know, kind of detailing the schools that are involved with him. Um, Clemson will get that official visit. I mean, he sort of hinted that he got the feeling that Clemson was on top. I mean, I put him in this group just because this is a guy I think Miami absolutely needs to have in this class. And uh, we're watching what's going on with Cormani McLean and how he's trending away. Um, Dijon Johnson from Tampa Warren headed to Ohio State. I mean, I think Damari Brown just becomes so important for, you know, Jamal Day. Uh, for Demarcus Van Dyke, for Mario Cristobal in this class, because they need to continue to stack talent at cornerback. I think this past uh, 2022 cycle was the first time that they signed a, you know, a, a really just a good cornerbacks class in some time. I think they need to continue to stack at that position, and I think Demari Brown is is probably the best available realistic option. I think he's, he's got to be sitting at the top of that board for Miami right now in terms of proximity, um, a Miami legacy. His dad Selwyn yeah. Brown played at Miami, won a national championship. 
uh, plays in Broward County at American Heritage. So, I mean, when you talk about like, again, tough to call someone a must get type of guy, but considering how the cornerback board is sort of flowing right now, it feels like Damari Brown is, is one of those sort of in that category that you might be able to consider must get types. And uh, so I think that's why I add him into this group. Big physical long corner would be a big time addition. Uh, and then the last guy. Yeah, I'm going to go with uh, a guy uh, formerly committed to Miami, Andy Jean out of Miami Northwestern. Look, man, this is a guy that Miami just absolutely loves. I think that he's a guy that they they feel like they need to have in this class. And, you know, obviously a, a very deep year at wide receiver, um, you know, we've already talked about a few of them and maybe even just adding the guys we mentioned previously would probably be a win for Miami. But I think, uh, you know, I know Andy Gene is someone that they 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 value very highly. And uh, he's someone that they they really feel like they want to get back on board. Um, you know, they definitely were not happy with the news that he decommitted, um, that he wanted to continue to explore around. And, you know, there finally feels like there's a reason why Alabama, Texas A&M, Georgia, Florida are all trying to make this uh, interesting. And, uh, you know, I think that they're going to do whatever they sort of need to do from a recruiting standpoint to make sure that Andy Jean is in this class because, um, you know, he's someone that checks a ton of boxes for them. All right, so that's a good list of eight players. All those guys are four-star guys outside of Emery Williams, the quarterback. Um, do you think there's a chance the majority of these players are committed to Miami by the start of the 2022 season, so September? September. Um... Like how many of these guys do you think could be committed Maybe not to Miami, but somewhere. I mean, we think right. it's looking good for Miami, but like Jalen Brown, would you be surprised if he's committed somewhere by September? No, I would not be surprised. I mean, I think he's going to take some of these summer official visits, and I think that before senior year, you could probably make a decision sometime. Nathaniel Joseph? Yeah, I mean, committed to Clemson now. So, um, you know, I think he's someone that, you know, could either still be committed to Clemson or if he makes that decision that he wants to flip. Um, you know, could definitely see that sort of situation happen before the 2022 season. Cedric Baxter. Yeah. I mean, again, uh, it, it depends how, how deep he wants to take this. Um, I could, again, those five schools, there, there could be a lot. I know he was someone that was really thrown off by a lot of the coaching changes that happened. So does that push things into December for Miami or, or for him? I mean, again, number two ranked running back in the country. I think he's one of those guys that has the luxury to be able to wait things out and sort of see how the chips fall, because I think any one of these schools he would like to commit to uh, would take him in a heartbeat, regardless right. of when he wants to do it. So um, I could see Cedric Baxter as one of the guys that maybe, um, you know, holds out for, for a little bit longer. I think one of the big indicators is the summer visits, right? Like how right. many of these guys take three or right. four summer visits. Yeah. Um, so we'll see, we'll monitor that. And uh, you know, summer recruiting is right around the corner. So Gabby's always producing big time VIP content on the website. Uh, we appreciate everyone for listening. We appreciate all our subscribers at InsideTheU.com. Hopefully you enjoyed this podcast and uh Go Heat, go Panthers, and until next time, take care.